Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. My motivational quote for today is by Arnold Bennett, and it says, any change, even a change for the better, is always accompanied by drawbacks and discomforts. How many of you have tried to change a behavior and have struggled to get the change to stick or, or to become a good, healthy habit? Maybe some of you have even received a diagnosis from your doctor about blood pressure, sugar levels being too high, and maybe about your poor diet, smoking, etc. How many of you have had such an experience and have really, really tried to make that change that's been recommended by the doctor and taken his or her recommendations really seriously? Because, of course, the changes recommended make sense, right? You want to be around to see your kids, grandkids grow up then why is changing, changing something that's so critically important to your future health so darn hard to get to stick? Why even when we want to change does it seem to elude us? Every logical part of your brain is screaming for you to follow and abide by these good nutritional choices, yet we go to McDonald's, we eat the hamburger and fries, but you think to yourself, well, I didn't supersize it, that's a good thing. Today, my guest, Dr. Art Markman, is going to help us understand the mechanisms of decision-making and the influence of motivation on reasoning. So we're going to get into a little bit of the science here. Art is an author, and he is a professor of psychology and marketing at the University of Texas, in addition to a phenomenal author. And I'll give his book information later. So, Art, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, really a pleasure. So, Let's start with the new book. It actually came out in January of 2014. It's called Smart Change. So let's start with discussing how our motivational system is set up. You speak about that in the book really clearly. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the things that people need to understand when they are trying to change behavior is that actually your brain is really set up as much as possible to keep doing the things that you've done in the past that have worked for you in the past and to do those mindlessly. And, and that's part of the reason why we have so much trouble making changes in behavior. The way that your motivational system is set up is it's actually got two components to it that interact. The first one, which is one that I call the go system, really tries to engage your goals and drive you to act. And so what that go system does is you have some goal that might be to, to eat a meal and, and you have a bunch of routines that you go through to do that, the foods you normally eat, the amounts you normally eat. And, and because you've done that so often, you have, you have turned all of those routines into memories. And once your goal is, 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 uh, given some degree of, of activity, it's, it, that goal is, is uh, aroused in your system. At that point, you, you start the process of engaging that goal and you carry out the routine that you've carried out in the past. Now, that's great most of the time, but that, now imagine the situation like your doctor, as you were saying, your doctor tells you you got to cut down on how much you're eating, you got to stop smoking, you got to, um, 
you know, really avoid some of the things you've been doing in the past. Well, now what happens is that goal to do the thing you've always done gets engaged. And the only thing standing between you and the action you no longer want to perform is a little bit of brain up in, your, in the frontal lobes of your brain, up above your eyes. If you were actually able to reach right above your eyes, you'd hit some brain regions that are part of a second system that's called the, that I call the stop system, which stops or inhibits your behavior. So this goal gets engaged, and now you don't want to perform it, so you engage that stop system. Problem is, that stop system is not nearly as effective as the go system is. And so if you repeatedly engage that go system, eventually the stop system is going to fail, either because you're tired or perhaps you're stressed. Maybe it gets impaired by drugs and alcohol or even overuse. You spend a whole day trying to control your behavior, and by the end of the day, you may have just used up all of your resources to stop you. So that's really the way the system is set up. And so if you want to change your behavior effectively, you have to stop focusing on ways of stopping yourself from doing the wrong thing and start thinking about how to reprogram that go system. Yeah, and and that was just brilliant what you just said and I hope everybody listening is saying oh so I'm not a failure oh so I'm not a loser that I can't you know make these healthy choices when I know that I should stop smoking or I know I should stop eating the Big Macs or whatever it is so it's interesting we had my boy's birthday party uh, yesterday and my sister was sharing she's an avid reader and she said she had just read it I don't know if it was a book or an article but exactly what you said how do we change the behavior um, that you get exhausted so you can't make the changes. And, and I'll give you one quick example. She said um, it, was, it was about minim, minimalizing life and simplifying life because we overcomplicate everything. So how do you do that, right? How do you change that behavior? And one of the recommendations the author said is example would be you go to the food store and you buy the same things. You know, as soon as you run out, it goes back on the list. He said make your list and then eliminate one thing that you think, I probably don't need this. Maybe I could do without. He said, and try to eliminate that for a week, a month, depending on what the, what, the pot, what the item is. If at the end of that week or month, you're like, yeah, I don't really, I didn't miss it. I didn't need it. Eliminate it. Go back, eliminate another, eliminate another. He said, and what happened is you get down to the bare bones of what you really need on your food list to survive and, and eat a healthy life. So, but, but my point, the point I'm trying to make is that one little thing is easier to do than trying to say, I'm going to start exercising and I'm going to eat a thousand calories a day. That's too much, too, too drastic. I would think for the brain to be able to wrap its head around it based on what you just said. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's two things in what you just said that are really important to kind of uh, highlight here. One is that you, you really do want to focus on one big change at a time or one change at a time. You know, you, you, making a complete radical revision of your entire life is hard to do unless you're in the situation in which you've also radically changed your environment. So if you wake up one day and suddenly you're not living in the same city, you're living in a completely different place with completely different people, well, maybe you can make some other radical changes in your life. But for most of us living in, in the same environment we have, um, making one change at a time is important. So that's one thing I want to highlight. The other thing I want to highlight, though, that's really important is um, it's really important to frame your behavior changes positively 
meaning in terms of actions you're going to perform rather than actions you're not going to perform. So a lot of times we frame our behavior change negatively. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to check Mm -hmm. my email less often. The problem with all of those is you are framing that as if the stop system has to do all the work. You know, I'm going to engage the desire to do the behavior that I've always engaged in the past, and then I'm not going to do it somehow. And instead, you want to focus positively on I'm going to do this thing. Uh, you know, so I'm going to make my shopping list in a particular way. I'm going to, you know, exercise at this particular time. I am going to do this activity at work in the morning instead of checking my email. And by focusing on positive changes, positive actions you can perform, you are giving yourself an opportunity to learn new habits and engage the go system rather than just focusing on what it is that I'm going to stop doing. Yeah, we make it harder on ourselves, in essence, I think, it, right? That's what you're saying. We, by saying, yeah. oh, don't do this, it, it, yeah, you know, when someone tells you you can't do something, you're like, oh, yeah, watch me do it. Yeah, and and even if willfully you agree with them, right? You know, you go to the doctor and you've got high blood pressure. You think, yeah, 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 I got to do this thing, or I'm going to get sick sometime in the future. But then you walk out, and you know, suddenly you smell popcorn and donuts, and you're thinking, you know, yeah, that blood pressure that can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> what's one more day? Yeah, what's the big deal? So now, yeah, what's the big deal? All right, so I think we my next question uh, that I had written is why are habits generally good things to have? And I think you kind of answered that, but maybe a little bit clearer. Habits really are a good thing to have. Oh, your life would be miserable if you had no habits because there's so many routines you go through in your life. And if you couldn't do those things mindlessly, uh, you'd constantly have to be thinking about all of the low-level aspects of your day. Think about getting up in the morning. You wake up in the morning and you get dressed and washed and brush your teeth and and all that good stuff. And you don't have to think about the, the details of any of that because the routine just runs off as it's supposed to. If you had to think about all those aspects, you'd be exhausted before you even left the house in the morning so habits are really good most of the time yeah Yeah. you said something that just made me trigger a memory my um uh, one of my nephews he he graduated already from college and and is working and so my son is going in august he's starting college and so my nephew said to him this is this is the thing the first week is the hardest because Mm -hmm. you have to develop all new habits and if right. he said it as clearly as you just said it. He said, you're going to wake up in the morning and think, oh, all right, I have to go down the hall. Oh, I wonder if there's going to be a shower open. Oh, <laughs> where's my class? Where is it on campus? Wait, am I going this way? He said, you yeah. have to think about everything. And you think by midweek, I, I can't do this. I'm never going to be able to do this. <laughs> and he says that as you approach that seventh day, you're like, oh, yeah, I know where everything is. I know what my schedule is. Oh, yeah, I know what time people, the bathrooms are really busy. And he says, and you you start to develop new routines automatically. But wasn't that really a brilliant thing that he shared? Absolutely. That's yeah, that's exactly right. And that's and that's one of the reasons, by the way, why all of us have so much trouble if you move to a new house, if you go on vacation. Vacations are supposed to be fun. I always tell people, remember vacations are primarily fun in retrospect. When you look back on it, you had a good time. <laughs> in in the moment that's you're just true. stressed about finding everything. And it's because none of your habits, none of your routines work. Yeah, you don't know 
where to go to the restaurant, where there's right. going to be a line, who has the good food, is it worth spending the money? Yeah. Should we go to the beach? What time should we leave the beach? Then what, <laughs> what if there's a line? At the, and who's going to do the showering because you only have one bathroom in the rental house? Right. <laughs> you know, all these exactly. things are in the hotel. Exactly. Yeah, luckily, That's, luckily, those things fade into obscurity after you get you get back. So what you remember is is that great moment on the beach, or uh, you know the the, the the beautiful sunset. You know, so so memory memory helps it work out in the end. But in the moment, because none of your routines work, it's it's a lot more stressful than your daily life. Isn't that true? And how many times do you hear people say, "Oh, I need a vacation from the vacation." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would work. Yeah, that's so true. All right, so with all of this that we just said, and we're, um, we have about three minutes in the first segment, how can people improve their ability to create plans that will help them develop these new good habits? Yeah, so one of the big first steps in in changing behavior, obviously the big first step is to is to create a really good positive goal for yourself and action you're going to perform. And then once you do that, you have to make sure that you create plans that that really are specific enough to get implemented. One of the things that happens, think about somebody who says I'm going to start exercising. A lot of times we create plans that are that are nowhere near specific enough for us to carry them out. So we say things like even things like I'm going to exercise twice a week. Well, that's a great goal, but, but I defy you to look on your calendar and find me twice a week. You know, mm -hmm. Monday's on the calendar, Thursday's on the calendar, but twice a week isn't. And so until you get to the point where you think specifically enough about where things are going to happen, A, you're not really going to do them because, because you need to have a specific time to trigger you to do the behavior. But the other thing is if you don't plan specifically, then you don't really grapple with all of the trade-offs that you're going to need to make in order to, to, to allow you to achieve your goal. So, you know, one of the reasons people don't exercise is that they're busy. So if if you are going to exercise on Monday afternoons, how are you going to do that? What are you going to give up from your normal Monday afternoon schedule that's going to enable you to have the time to do that exercise? So you have to think specifically enough. And if you don't do that, if you don't create a really specific plan, you don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to succeed. Give me an example of a specific plan. Let's well, like say I say, you, know, you want to go to the gym, you're going to go Monday and Thursday after work you know, with a friend. And, uh, and, and you're going to pick a gym close to the house because, you know, a lot of people, they see those gleaming palaces of fitness, uh, but they're a 25-minute drive from the house. You're not going to add a 50-minute commute to your day just to go to the gym, right? You've got you to gotta, you make a specific plan and pick a place that's near where you work, near where you live. And, and, it's gotta, it's gotta, and you want to make that plan as consistent as possible. You want to exercise every day, right? Before, every day you're going to exercise right before work, right after work. And the reason you want it specific is because habits are memories, and they're memories that relate specific situations to actions. So the more consistency you create in the actions that you, that you perform, the easier it is for that to become a habit that then, that then becomes part of your life. And then you don't, and that was the point that you said in the morning, if I had to think about everything I do from the minute my feet hit the floor, I'd be exhausted because you're thinking. Yeah. That's why the habits, right. we go on autopilot, you don't even think about it, you just do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This the way same. it just becomes part of your life. Yeah. So part of that literal, that, that breakdown, as you said, those detailed action steps, you might also add, get your gym bag ready the night before, throw it in the back seat you know, before you mm -hmm. go to bed. So anything right. that makes that habit stick and makes it easier to become a routine. 
Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly. brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about all of that sounds great, but then temptations, <laughs> you know, kick in and can derail us. So I want to talk about temptations when we come back, and everybody's going, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> all right, we'll be back in a sec. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with Dr. Art Markman, and we are talking about how, to, how really to get change to, to stick because our brain takes over and uh, goes back to the old habit. Not necessarily a bad habit, but an old habit. So my next question is, what can we actually do to plan for, and let's face it, temptations are all around us all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things we have to do is to face them head on. So I, I always like to say that one of my least favorite books from the last 20 years is a book that, that, uh, called The Secret, which, which basically <laughs> says, you know, think positively, you know, the positive vibes of the universe will resonate with your goals and great things will happen to you. And boy, I wish that were true. But it turns out that, that in order to really achieve your goals, you have to think a little bit negatively from the beginning. You know, each of us has a finely tuned ability to talk ourselves out of doing things. And what we do is we think, well, here are all the things that are going to go wrong when I try to do this. Well, what you should do is to get just this close to talking yourself out of it. Figure out what are the things that are going are gonna to get in our way and then try and generate some plans for those in advance. Because the more prepared you are for the temptations that are going to happen, the better able you are to handle those later. As a, you know, it's, think about it like this. It's sort of like going to a party and somebody kind of gives you a little mild zinger, a little insult. And in the moment, you wish you had that great comeback, but you don't. And as you're walking out of the party, you think of what you should have said that would have been a great comeback, but you can't go back in time <laughs> and, and, and give it, you know? Yes. Well, well Temptation's the same way. If a temptation leaps out at you, you might or might not know what to do in that moment. But if you think about it in advance, now you're ready for it when it happens. And so you can predict some number of the temptations that are going to come up. You know, you're going to predict that there's going to be days when you're supposed to exercise and you don't feel like doing it. You're a little bit tired. So what are you going to do on that day? You know, a lot of books uh, recommend things like, you know, if you're a runner, um, just, just run for, just tell yourself you're going to run for 10 minutes. And then usually what happens is you get into your exercise routine, you get into your run, and you're willing to do it for the rest of the time. But you, 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 know, you, you face the temptation by saying, all right, I'll just do a little bit less today. And then you end up doing the whole thing anyhow. Um, 
you know, if buffet lines, you've got to have a plan for the buffet line if you're trying to lose weight, because that's the bane of people's existence. Suddenly, you're hungry, and there's all this food just waiting to be taken. I tell everybody, you know, if you want to deal with the buffet line, while everybody else runs to get online, you should go find a table, uh, you know, preferably as far away from the food as possible. And then go to the dessert table, not, not because there are good desserts there, but because that's where they keep the smallest plates. And then get way at the back of the line on the buffet and walk through. By the time you get to the front, all the good stuff's been picked over. So now you, you, you just pick a, some of the, you know, a small amount of stuff that's on your small plate that's left. And, and there, there isn't going to be time now for you to get seconds. So you, you managed to survive the buffet because you had a plan going in rather than just piling all the food up because it's sitting there. So you can deal with temptations that way. And then the last thing I'll say on this is, um, you know, despite all of your best plans, there are going to be days when you fail, when, when you, you, you eat too much, you don't make it to the gym, whatever it is. And that's where self-compassion comes in. It's really important to remember that, that behavior change is hard. It's two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes those are even big steps back, which means you need to be really kind to yourself and recognize that that failures uh, are learning experiences. Figure out what went wrong and don't get demoralized. Don't, don't decide that that means you can't do it. It just means that you haven't figured out how to do it yet. Yeah, you know, my I, my kids are um, hockey players. They've been playing travel hockey since they're like eight years old. And like I said, my big guy is going to college. He's 19. He's going to be playing at school. And I remember Excellent. we'd get yeah, isn't that cool? I'm proud of them. I'm proud of both of them. They're good kids. They're good boys. Anyway, we we would come out after a game, and the first thing they would say, we get in the car, and they say, "Well, how did I play?" Loaded question, right? You never answer that. So my <laughs> husband and I would always kind of turn it back on them and say, "Well, how do you think you did?" And when they were young, they would say, well, that goal, that was, that was Art's fault because he did, wasn't in position, my defense. And offense, let that come through the front, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they'd blame and blame. And we'd say, well, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team, right? And, you know, yes, the, the offense blew it, defense blew it. But, you know, it went in, you're, you're a five-hole, so you kind of made a little mm-hmm. mistake there, too. Well, once they both reached, I want to say it was between 10 and 11 years old, they, by doing that, I think we forced them to self-assess, and that's another skill I think that we all need to do and we don't do well enough and it's something we should practice anyway force them to self-assess and 10 11 we'd get in the car same thing and we'd say well how do you think you did and they started saying that one goal i wish i had back and we would say well why and my my angle was off i you know what i was too far in the net i was too far out of the net i misread that my skate slipped i i should have known better and my husband and i would respond then that was a great goal because you see how you know your angle was off you'll never make that mistake again so you learn from it great goal so that's that's what i think you're talking about that self-compassion that but i i try to teach that to my kids yeah you're going to screw up that's life how you deal with that is really what makes the difference of growing or like you said feeling i'm a failure i suck no that's not what it's about it's what have i learned from that moment or that experience and i think that's real important yeah 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 no that's yeah, that's a, that's a critical piece of it. You can't change behavior uh, and expect that it's just all going to go completely right the first time. And that's true for anything you're going to do. And if you're not willing to make mistakes, 
um, then then you have a hard time learning anything new and that's and that's true for anything it's true for uh, for changing behavior it's also true for learning new skills and so you have to you have to be willing to do that I think that's critical and I think we it and it's important to to point out that, I mean, it's wonderful that you did that with your kids because we don't teach that skill in school very well. Uh, What we teach in school is primarily make as few mistakes as possible because the reward structure in school is getting good grades. And the best students are the ones who make the fewest mistakes. And so we don't teach mistake recovery. We teach mistake minimization. And what happens is a a student may be a great student uh, for a long time, maybe even all the way through college. But at some point, you reach something that you have to do that is more difficult than you're able to, to do right now. You make a lot of mistakes. And at that moment, if you don't know how to cope with those mistakes, how to deal with those errors, how to learn from those mistakes, then uh, you find it hard to move forward from there. Yeah, because you feel so defeated and, and you beat yourself up. It's interesting. I'm coaching two young men and one of my clients, and the one young man I can be, and and I'm cautious with this because you don't ever want to hurt anyone or demoralize and debilitate. So I, I really am always try to be kind and respectful. But this one guy, he's like, lay it on me. What do I need to do? What I do wrong? Critique me. Like, give me the ugly truth. And I always giggle and I go, well, I'm going to be a little gentle. Like, I can't be that rough, right? <laughs> I, I, I tell him, here's some observations and these are the things to work on. And here's maybe how I would, I would try to make those adjustments. And then I'll see him the next time in, the, in a public place where he's presenting or whatever in, in the class that I'm teaching. And I'll, I'll observe. And I'll give you an example. He used the word like, you know, these kids today, he's in his 30s, you know, like, you know, like, like, and they say it five million mm-hmm. times. And so I critiqued him on that. I noticed when he got up to present, not one like and not what, um, that was another. He did but ums and the um. There was no more fillers, and he thought before he spoke, and he paused appropriately. And I went up to him afterwards, and I said, man, that was awesome. Do you realize? And he goes, I've been working on it. And I said, well, it shows, and just great job. Now, same thing, another young man, about the same age, maybe maybe a little bit older. And I go to critique him and coach him because he seeks it, but then I give him recommendation, much more gentle than I can the other, other gentleman. And, well, I, you know, I did it because of this. Well, you know, that makes my, my message clearer. And he has excuses and he deflects instead of saying, mm-hmm. all right, come, let me think about that. Let me kind of process it. I don't see me doing that, but let me be more aware. He deflects. So to me, the one young man has either been taught by his parents to self-assess and say, yeah, I need to make that better. Um, I'm not perfect. And the other gentleman who just has maybe been taught to make excuses and deflect and blame others. And that, that's dangerous. You have to you have to take critiques and hopefully people give critiques with kindness, but, but you have to self-assess and you have to take that critique. Otherwise, how the hell do we know where we're going to get better? Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. Now, oh, I, another- I think that's crucial. And, and I want to point out one other thing that's, that's important there, which is, you know, uh, people need to seek out mentors. You know, mm-hmm. coaches are, are a great example of mentors, but you can also do that at work. You can also find other people who have the skills mm-hmm. you want to have. Because the, the thing about human beings is we don't come programmed with all that much behavior, unlike, you know, deer. For example, in the book, I talk a lot about, you know, baby deer gets born 
and within a day it's running off with its mom and within a year it's a fine upstanding member of the deer community most of us as humans we have to learn the way the world works and that means we have to be willing to take on mentors who are going to help us to learn skills that we don't already have but you can't learn from other people and this gets back to your example you can't learn from other people unless you are willing to say you're right that's something that I don't do well that I need to learn. Yeah, and it's not a put down. It's an observation. And if you get into, you know, as these young men grow in the corporate environment and they're in more visible meetings, you want to have those skills where you sound very literate, very on point, very poised in, in your thought to get that, you know, communicate more effectively versus someone who's saying like, 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 or um, 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 then people are listening to the likes and the ums and not to the content of the message. So you're right. You have to, you have to embrace it. And, and I think the other thing, you have to want to change or, or make that change part of, you know, your routine and, and your life, right, to, to become better. So... Um, yeah, just so so interesting. The brain is an interesting thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, you know, it's funny. I tell people all the time that the old joke is true. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. You know, changing <laughs> behavior is really hard. It's really hard to do. And if you're not willing to put that effort in, all of these tools that we're talking about, all, all the tools that I write about, and all the tools I'm sure that you use when you're coaching people, those tools can only be effective if people are willing to put the energy in. And they're only going to be willing to put the energy in at the, at the point where they decide that they want to change, not at the point where somebody else tells them they need to change. Well, and that's, you know, that's the same thing, right? You're dating someone and you think, oh, let me change him and then he'll be happy <laughs> and then I'll be happy. You know, that right from the start, that's a failed uh, methodology, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. All right. So yeah. We have about, we have about three minutes left, a little under three minutes. If people want to use some of these principles to succeed, uh, you know, example would be New Year's resolutions, right? We're well into the year, mm -hmm. but how could they, what should they do? Where should they start to get some momentum? Well, if you want to use these tools, one of the things you really want to do is to have something you can work with to give you a guideline. Now, I wrote this book that we'll talk about, I guess, a little bit more at the end. But in addition yes. to that, on the website that I have, which is smartthinkingbook.com, under the, the tab for Smart Change, is a Smart Change journal that you can actually download for free. It's a, it's a Word document. And what I do there is to give everyone an, a set of tools, a set of opportunities to write things out that will help them to generate the right kinds of goals, to create really good plans, to think about those temptations, to figure out how to engage with the people around them. Those tools are crucial because if you don't work at it, then you are naturally going to revert back to the habits that you had before. And so it is really important to have those tools. And that's why I make that freely available. Much as I'd love to have people buy my book and, 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 and read through it and think carefully about these, these issues, I also want to make sure everyone has access to something that will help them to, to really think through their behavior. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I did read I did read Art's book and I did download the Smart Journal, and it's simple, stupid, and not that any of us are stupid. That's not the point, but it's very clear on how to get 
your thoughts down, but how to think it through, like you said before, those detailed action steps versus I'm going to work out twice a week. No, really put the thought in so that it it does create a new habit. So I do recommend that the other thing, I I did want to comment on your book, so I'm glad you kind of did a nice segue for me. Smart Change is the name of the book, and you can, guys, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, or through the smartthinkingbook.com link, correct? Or they could go yes. through there as well. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it's available, guys. You, you, can, you can clearly get it easy peasy. Here's the thing. I read the book. I highlighted some book because there are so many things that I wasn't doing, and, and I think even more importantly, I wasn't aware of or I didn't understand how the brain worked. So it just provided some clarity. And the other interesting thing, and you said it um, at one point, that self, I'm saying self-love. You, you used um, the self-compassion. word. Self-compassion. So that understanding how the brain is wired and why, like, yeah, I did do that and I stopped. Why did I stop? Don't beat yourself up. It's saying, well, okay, I didn't think it through. I didn't have enough details. I didn't understand how my brain worked. Now that I understand that component, I get it. I know how to remedy that, perhaps. And maybe that smart journal is the, is the change or the piece that was missing for you. So just a wealth of information. I do recommend you highlight the book. I know that sounds so dorky, but I do <laughs> recommend highlighting the book and going back and referring to it to, to keep your mojo going, so to speak, um, to keep you on the path of, of creating these new ha- habits. It's really your book art was more than uh, a self-help book. To me, it was really a clear tool of, of, of filled with action steps and ideas for people to implement the change. And I, and I want to just go back to your comment about the secret, because I did read the secret, of course. And mm-hmm. I think conceptually the, the concept is, yeah, your thoughts do become reality and positive energy does create more positive energy and all of that. But the end of the day, for me, the secret, I kept saying, yeah, but how do you do that? It was mm-hmm. missing the how-tos, the action steps. So if this is what you're trying to achieve. Here's some ideas. Try this, try this, try this. And your book, I thought, was filled with that. So thank you for that as well. I feel it helps me become a better coach. It helps me become clearer when I'm teaching. All of those things that I was able to take into my life, and utilize as, as new tools. So thank you for that. It was, it was a great read, everyone. And I read it while I told Art before we began. I read it on vacation on the beach. So, you know, does it get any better than that? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate it. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that when you're trying to change behavior, so often you're focused on, you know, all the changes you need to make. And if you haven't learned anything about the way your mind works, you often find yourself working against your brain rather than with it. Yes, that well said. And that's what I think after reading the book. I'm like, ah, oh, well, yeah, you don't know what you don't know until you're taught. So that to me was, and I'm laughing because, of course, you taught me something because you're a professor. That's what you do. And the book was filled with uh, great tips and ideas. So I really do hope everyone goes out and, and buys it and reads it and kind of digests it and process it and percolates with it because it is very powerful. Um, any other little, little last tips? We're out of time, but I, you know, anything <laughs> else that you want to add that we didn't say? Uh, only, only one last thing, uh, which is, is we didn't get to, tend to talk much about people's environment. So I just tell people one, one other thing about changing behavior. Spend your time trying to make desirable behaviors easy and undesirable behaviors hard, and you make mm-hmm. your, la- your life a lot easier. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really true, right? 
Um, for everyone listening, I'm also going to post Art's link, the smartthinkingbook.com, and it's just as it, it said, smart, S-M-A-R-T, thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G, book, B-O-O-K.com, all lowercase, and it's a www at the front. So I will post that link so you can, number one, get the book, find the book, but also if you want to um, chat with uh, Art, I, there's, a, there's a contact us or a website through that, another website, um, email through that as well, right, Art, that they can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. I'm easy awesome. to find. You're easy. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide, dude, right? That's right. <laughs> Exactly. Um, when I stop recording, just hang. I just want to uh, thank you one more time, okay? All right. All right, cool. All right, everybody. Uh, I hope that you're going to join us weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we can all embrace change based on our discussion today. I think I, we got some real valuable insight and realize that change is probably easier than we oftentimes think especially when we have great tools like Art shared with us today. Um, thank you again, Art. Great insights, and I feel inspiring uh, to get people to, you know, get off their butts and, and put some things into action. <laughs> Thanks well. again, everybody, for joining, uh, for joining us. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thanks, and have an awesome week. Pick something to start to change, maybe like reading Smart Change by Art. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me.